0: Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This week, Denise and I get to share questions and stories that you all have sent to us, which we always adore. We love being able to hear from you all and share with the community some questions and topics of interest that we're all thinking about. Our first question is one that I love and it's very quick, so I'll jump right to it. It says, hi, ladies, I have a question and who better to ask than two empathic mothers who are into crystals. I'm starting to put together my nursery for our firstborn. What crystal would you recommend I put in the nursery? Oh, I love this question, Denise. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, I can't pick one, but I'm going to give a couple of suggestions. And then, Denise, if you have any you'd like to add, please let me know. Uh, One crystal that I love for babies is blue chalcedony because it's so calming and it helps to add an energy of just soothingness to the nursery. Pink opal is just one of my favorite stones for anything to do with universal love, but especially mother-baby love. Pink opal is just, if if you hold it, if you carry it or wear it, you'll feel the nurturing, loving energy emanating off of pink opal. Rose Quartz, of course, for all kinds of love. Moonstone is wonderful, especially for the mother of the newborn. It's a stone of the divine feminine, so it really helps a woman get in touch with her innate mothering skills. Angelite, again, very similar to Blue Chalcedony, has that very soothing, peaceful energy, but it also will help call on the baby's guardian angel. Snowy quartz is wonderful if you're choosing to nurse your child because snowy quartz really helps give a new mom confidence with breastfeeding. Black tourmaline for protection in case your child gets anxious or has separation anxiety at night. Having black tourmaline on the windowsills can be very, very grounding and protecting. And then amethyst, of course, which is the all healer. So it's just a wonderful stone to ensure sweet dreams and to infuse the nursery with the healing energy. Do you think I covered um, most of them? Oh, oh
1: yes. And then some. So okay. that, that's absolutely beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful information.
0: And congratulations um, on your new baby.
1: Yes. That's so exciting, especially with that first one. Our next one, I have a question as I'm listening to the episode with Jean Hainer. She mentioned there are empaths who manifest pain or feelings from others physically in themselves. Even though my ex-husband was extremely stubborn and not empathic toward my feelings and thoughts, he did have these weird physical issues that started after every fight we had. After a very bad fight, he was sick for two weeks. Doctors couldn't pinpoint what it was, and it would go away on its own. This would happen with other things also when family or friends were going through something that had nothing to do with him. He is a codependent people pleaser, and aside from his actual duties at home, he would go out of his way to help others who didn't ask for it. My question is, could a person who is very unaware of his surroundings and himself, who is pretty stubborn and not very open to other people's ideas, also be an empath? My ex still puzzles me because he's both he has both narcissistic traits, but also very empathic traits and is overall very scattered brain and extremely unaware. I've always expected he has ADHD, though it was never diagnosed. But I wonder how mental disorders like that would affect someone's empathic abilities. My other theory is that as deep down an empath who's suppressed his authentic self, and as he's being controlled by his father, he can't even become the empath he was meant to be. I think these all could be related, but maybe not. Would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, Personally, I do. And, you know, you wonder, is If you share space with anyone, you start to meld with their energy. And I really, you can look at that with your children, with roommates you might have had with even if you, what is that they say? You're uh, a compilation of the five people you spend the most time with. So I think that this is uh, very true. Also, I I get this because, uh, you know, my ex-husband, very intelligent man, had an amazing, amazing gift with, with animals. Like I I watched this man do incredible things with animals. And so there's a level of empathy and compassion in there that wasn't always shown quite as clearly in other aspects of his life. Do I think he was an empath? Yes. Do I think that he kind of shut that down? Yes. Do I think it came out in certain areas? Yes. So I think that this person is absolutely spot on. And as far as feeling the physical symptoms, that also goes back to that energy connection. And for a lot of us as empaths, we do feel someone's physical illness or they're upset, or especially if we're really closely corded to them.
0: Beautifully said. You know, I've read that if you're raised by a narcissist, very often you will become a narcissist yourself as a way of protecting yourself from the. Energetic arrows of the narcissist. And so I wonder if she's right in that at his heart, like you're saying, Denise, he is an empath, but he's worn the armor of narcissism to protect himself. And, you know, if he could just put those walls down, his true self would emerge.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good point.
0: And then again, everything is a spectrum. And so I think we can all have empathic tendencies and sometimes we can all have narcissistic tendencies. So It could just be a spectrum and he runs the gamut, but I think considering that she said his dad was a bit of a narcissist, it might be a protective mode. Right. Okay. Our next question says, you mentioned soul path number on a recent episode, and I'm curious to learn more. So of course I Googled it. My soul path number is a five. Fives are adventurous, risk-taking, adapting quickly to new environments. This does not resonate with me at all. I resonated more with the two soul path, which is also my Enneagram number. What could this mean? I'm eager to learn more. Okay, so I think she's talking about her life path number. If you add up all the numbers in your birth date, you'll get three main numbers. Your day number is your soul number. It's kind of the, uh, your instinctual energy that you're drawn to. If you add up your month and day, that's your personality number, which is how you express yourself to the world. And then if you add up all the numbers in your birth date, that's your life path number. And it's not so much who you are right now. It's more an an arrow pointing to who you're supposed to be. You know how same with astrology, they say that your sign isn't so much who you are, but who you're here to learn to be. It's very similar with the life path number. So it could be that, yes, you resonate with the two because that's who you are now. Now. But you're also here to learn how to be more adventurous, how to take more risks, how to adapt more quickly to new environments. And then there's other aspects to the five that a lot of people don't always talk about. I call fives rebels with a cause. They're very empathic. They feel things deeply. They are incredibly loyal friends and family members. They love family traditions and being around longtime, lifetime friends. They always see injustice and they will fight hard for it it's fascinating if you do the life paths of the founding fathers you will find the number you will find the number 5 everywhere in their birth dates so it's that's why i call it the rebel with a cause because fives will fight for the underdog they will always work hard to make sure everyone is happy and harmonious which is kind of like a 2 so I would invite you to do more research on that, but I would also suggest that you look at that five life path number, not so much as who you are now, but who your higher self is striving to learn how to become a little bit more like that.
1: Oh, very, very well said. Lots of good information. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so our next one, just wanted to send a little message to share a couple synchronicities and particularly one I had this week that relates to your podcast. I think these casualties that move our heart and surprise our mind as little as they can be are little gifts and an opportunity to share some smiles. For years, but more intensely for the past couple of years, I've been researching and meditating often about topics I feel more and more drawn to. As for psychology, personal growth, body, energy, and spirit, death, past lives. A couple weeks ago, while traveling with my family around Chicago and surroundings, I began reading The Gift, a book by Edith Egger, a Holocaust survivor and psychologist still working and writing in La Jolla, California. So while in Illinois, in a car ride from Evanston to the airport, I happened to briefly see a Holocaust museum roof and title from my window. I was surprised to see that there and at that time. So I wondered, is that possible? And researched about it to find that indeed there is a Holocaust museum and educational center at the same spot, and some of the survivors that made it to the U.S. were responsible for this initiative. Then this week, while surfing online, I read something about indigo children and felt somehow drawn to research about this phenomenon I'd heard about last year, but knew very little about. And while reading about it, I found out about crystal children and even a video on YouTube where Gary Zukav and other personalities explore this term. I still had to finish the video in my research one a couple days ago. I checked my podcast subscription to listen to something interesting or relaxing while walking my dog and happened to see your latest podcast episode, Indigos, Crystals, and Rainbows. My mind was blown away again. Was it possible that people have similar interests could also have a tendency to research and explore the same topics at the same time? I don't know, but I love the idea that everything is connected in a good way. Though times we can get lost in despair when things don't make sense, or we feel helpless, I, I love the the style this person writes with to start with. Very, very nice flow. Um, but also, yes, I've read that book. It's fantastic, and I think a lot of we get a lot of notes from people. Oh my God, I was just thinking about that, and then you did a show on it, or. I've, or, you know, the, it, it is very synchronous. And that goes back to what I'm always yammering on about, about how we're all tapping into that collective energy. So is this a topic that we all need to look at right now to really kind of solidify with ourselves that we are all in this together? I love the, the serendipitous part of, you know, be reading that book, look out the window, see the Holocaust Museum, follow through. Yes, it's there. I mean, That is really cool stuff. It really is. And it just goes to prove that there
0: is a collective unconscious, as you said, that we're all connected to. I've also found in my life, when I'm really on my path and things are going well, and I'm paying attention to the still small voice within, I have more of these synchronicities. However, when I'm in that chaotic, stressed out, just got to check off this to-do list mode of my life, I don't have that many synchronicities. So there's something about being tuned in, turned on, connected to the collective that somehow inspires more of these to happen. Do you find that to be true?
1: Very much so. Very, very much so.
0: Yeah. So I would also say to this listener, take this as a sign to keep on researching, connecting because you're on the right path. Yes. Okay. Our next one is kind of a big question. Lately, I've been hearing a lot about soul contracts and I'm having a hard time with its validity because it presents the possibility that someone who is acting in a negative way may be doing so in service to others and may even be a more advanced soul. To propose as a spiritual teaching that everything and anything we do to ourselves and others is okay seems like a bit too much. Am I misreading this? Could I please have your thoughts on this subject? Okay, so I do believe that we have soul contracts and sometimes people might actually decide to come as a negative person to help us propel ourselves on our path. However, that's very different than that last sentence that there's a spiritual teaching that everything and anything is okay. That's kind of like that Alistair Crowley do what that wilt," which, you know, not such a fan of because what if you want to go out and do something really bad? So I think those are two different things. Sometimes, let's say, for example, as a soul, you always were very, very codependent and you couldn't make a decision without five other people agreeing with you. And one of your goals in this lifetime was to learn how to be independent. You might ask a soul, not, I'm not saying an advanced soul, you might just be talking to your team of guides and going, okay, I really have to learn how to be independent and stand on my own two feet. And your guides might go, well, you know, we got this soul up here. He's, he's already been down there on earth for about 25 years. He's supposed to have a kid soon. And you know, he's kind of a jerk. He just runs away from his family. He runs away from his responsibilities. Why don't you choose him as your dad? Because that way he'll abandon you. And then you'll learn how to be independent and stand on your own two feet. So I don't really know that it's like advanced souls are like, well, yes, I will sign up to be a jackass just to help you. Like, No, I don't think it works
1: like that. Do you, Denise? No, but I do know that some of the most difficult relationships I've had in my life have been my greatest teachers. I've learned more about myself, about relationships, about how to navigate the world. And, you know, my background in special education all those years, and I would see, and people often, if you, if you don't have someone in your family that has some kind of a, a different learning style or a, just a, a different way to navigate life on the planet, that it is a familial impact and they're often our greatest teachers because it changes the dynamic of everyone else in the family as well. And I think that often we do learn lessons and sometimes it might be, I don't want to throw myself in front of that bus anymore. And we never would have learned that lesson if we hadn't had the interactions with the person that we kept insisting on stepping in front of that bus for.
0: Yes, exactly. That's really well said. Now, I did have this life-changing dream years ago that I I've probably shared before on this show, but I'll I'll share it briefly because it's very appropriate for this question. I often have these dreams that I'm sitting outside an oceanside cafe talking to people. I don't believe they're dreams. I think it's, you know, my consciousness traveling. And in this one dream, I was sitting across from my mom, and my mom has this like very tense, anxious energy most of the time. And, and in the dream, she was super chill and relaxed and she was just sipping her coffee and I was drinking my tea. And, and she had her elbows on the table and she was staring into my eyes very lovingly. And I was like, huh, this is different. And she said, so Samantha, how's this working for you? And I was like, everything's good, mom. And, and she said, no, really. When you asked me to incarnate as a true bitch to help you learn and grow, I agreed. But it's hard. It's a lot harder than I thought. And I reached for her hands and I said, "I'm so sorry. I know this is hard, but it's helping me so much more than you can know." And she squeezed my hands back, and that was my dream. Wow. And so I do think that sometimes souls will agree to incarnate as difficult people. Um, this whole idea of advanced soul, old soul, young soul, new soul, hip, cool, not cool soul—I I don't like the the hierarchy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. Something about me just resists that. Uh, I just think that for some reason, maybe my sisters and I asked my mom to be our mom so that we could learn unconditional love. Because really and truly, that's what she has taught me is how to love unconditionally. And, and that's, that's a great gift.
1: That's a, a good point. Uh, years ago, and I haven't done this in a long time, maybe it's time to do it again, is I was riding through town and I was really frustrated and kind of, you know, when you're just annoyed with everything, you just, you're just pissed off at life is the is the basic statement for that. And I caught myself and I saw someone, I had to slow down, someone crossed in the crosswalk in front of me. And for like a millisecond, I thought, see the soul light. And so the rest of the drive home, I thought, every single person that I'm seeing, look for that soul seed, look for that light. And I would like visualize this little light in their chest, like they're, like that was who they really were. And it changed my whole level because exactly what you're saying, obviously, some of us have done this, this experience many, many times. We're at a different level. We've reached something else or we're not, but it doesn't, make, it doesn't make a difference. We're all in here together and we all came to do something specific for our own soul work.
0: Look for the soul light. That is perfect. Thank you for sharing
1: that. Oh, you're welcome. I think it was more of a reminder of myself to, to remember that because it's very frustrating in the world right now for a lot of people. It is. Uh, our next one, thank you so much for your recent podcast on judgment. I think you all brought up the concept that we're fatigued from judging so much. I've also heard that sometimes we aren't actually tired, but are instead feeling unfulfilled. After listening to your podcast, I made a list of things I feel like I judge myself about or get exhausted at the thought of doing. After I made the list, I grabbed my oracle deck. From there, I journaled and allowed whatever comes up to come up. I'll share one of them, both as an example and one I think resonates with a lot of us. The example, I adjust myself for my creativity, having passions for my creations and wanting to create. The card that I pulled was the giveaway from the mystical shaman oracle deck, which reminded me that when I create things, recently I focused too much on how I want others to receive it and how I want to feel about it instead of enjoying the process of creating. The card also mentioned the need to heal feelings of scarcity and open myself to abundance. Growing up, I remember sometimes my creations were viewed as using too much paper. Also, I didn't want to create something that would be a waste of supplies, like it wouldn't be good enough to use my precious art resources. Part of me even used to believe that I only had so much creation available in my body. To me, creation was finite in many ways. Maya Angelou said it best. You can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. This has helped me a lot. The card description also suggested I offer thanks and be open. When I tried to do this, sometimes it was rejected. I used judgment as a protective mechanism to keep me from feeling rejection again. Of course, rejection is a part of life, and I can't stop living and being closed off due to fear of that feeling. Feelings are impermanent and will pass if I allow them to. Just by writing it out, I felt some of the tension I had melt away. Sometimes for me, at least, awareness of what's going on in the subconscious is enough for my body-mind to release what it was holding on to. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for sharing that. and i I agree very much that I think this will help a lot of our listeners who are you know creatives, but who are also trying to navigate, you know, is there enough? Do I have enough? What, am I enough? And I agree that that creativity, and that's a sign I get a lot in readings is I'll see my my sign for creativity is this water whooshing over a dam out in the woods. And sometimes I'll see like a plexiglass wall, like someone can't access their creativity. And usually when I see that, it means that that's what helps people, helps the person kind of shut their mind off and get clarity. I also with the, by writing it out, that's why I'm such a huge, huge advocate and proponent for journaling is that it allows you to tap into your own inner knowing and light and your own expression without having to explain it to anyone else or validate it to anyone else.
0: I think it's so important to look at how we judge ourselves as well. You know, what are you judging yourself for? And the fact that this listener focused on the creativity, that's a big one. But just the exercise of at night thinking, what did I judge myself harshly for today? And writing about it or pulling a card for it, that is such a fantastic exercise for getting in touch with our shadow side because really when we find ourselves judging others, we're not really judging others. We're judging aspects of ourselves that we're repressing or not seeing. And so focusing on how are we judging ourselves is a wonderful way to prevent judging others, but it's also a great way to truly get to know ourselves and what's blocking us and what we're really here to do. So I, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to send this and I hope it inspires other people listening to try this exercise for themselves. If we could just be more kind to ourselves, what a better world this would be. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our next question says, I've been a listener for a few years now with a little break in between. I remember when I first discovered your show, I listened to multiple episodes a day. I felt seen for the first time ever. I found my tribe. There would be times when you all talk about spirit and I would get scared. I think ultimately I let fear take over and I had to stop listening for a while. I once wrote to Samantha for a reading asking if I should leave the hair salon I was working at because there was a lot of negative energy. Samantha, your response gave me chills and was spot on. You told me it was not the right time to leave and you were right. Fast forward two years and I finally left. I've been focusing on slowing down and taking care of myself and I'm back listening to the show religiously. I recently purchased Samantha's Be Your Own Psychic course and crystals for psychic development. I almost purchased a new green Aventurine bracelet because I had lost mine, but for some reason I hesitated. A week later, I went to do a sensory deprivation float, and they told me I left my green Aventurine bracelet there last time, so it came back to me. I found all of this interesting. When I was in the float tank, I kept feeling a sensation on my right leg. It felt like a caress or a tickle. I was just trying to breathe through it, not focusing on it too much. I started to envision myself in a forest-like area laying in a pond floating. I saw a creature on land with his hand in the water. He looked kind of like a gremlin or like a golem, but he was smiling. He was caressing my leg trying to get me to go toward him, and I was resisting. I kept telling myself that I'm safe and I'm okay and focused on my breathing. I wanted to open the pod and get out, but I thought to myself, this is silly. This isn't real. This creature can't harm me. My heart was racing. I focused on my breath and called on angels for some comfort. I kept seeing Mother Mary, a giant figure above me, and asked her to keep me safe. I began to relax and my heart slowed down. I started to fall asleep and I was so confident in myself, thinking that when things get scary, I know I will make it through. Then the creature came back and it started all over again. I was able to leave there feeling somewhat relaxed and okay, but this did scare me a bit. I'm wondering if either of you have insight on what this could mean. Maybe next time I should not try to resist so hard and see if this creature that scares me has anything to offer. Is it something I should avoid? I think exploring my intuition has always scared me, and I don't quite have that trust yet. I'm working on it, but if either of you have any advice or insight, I'd love to hear it. Okay, so I think that's a fascinating story and question because... She talks, Denise, about listening to our show and then kind of getting scared and taking a break and then coming back. So the theme of fear and scare, being scared and resisting this whole world uh, comes back again and again and again. And yet, if you notice, when she does follow her intuition, like with the green aventurine bracelet, it always works out. And what I have known in my own life and helping students learn to be intuitive themselves, is that when you firmly commit to this path, when you 100% say, I am an intuitive spiritual being having a human experience, and I am committed to working for the light of the universe, you will, in my opinion, be scared back to that in-between stage of, yeah, sometimes I work for the light, sometimes I just pay my bills. And what you have to do is keep going through those scary experiences, and they will taper off and then completely go away. And so my initial feeling is that this creepy little gremlin thing was a manifestation of her fear. And the fact that she was able to stay in that pod, which think about that, you're floating in water in this dark pod where you kind of feel trapped. It's like a I mean, in those moments, it can feel like a coffin of water, right? You're just stuck in this little pod, and you're supposed to be relaxed and chilled, and yet you're having this feeling of someone petting your leg, and it's a gremlin. That's scary. And yet she was able to call on Mother Mary and pray her way through it, and it went away. And then it came back, and she was able to pray her way through it. And so to me, this is all symbolic of you know, life can be scary, and there are negative things out there. But when you commit 100% to a life of spirit and spirituality, these fearful things, they'll get bored of you and they will go away. So that's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is that this Kremlin is an aspect of herself and her own fear. And maybe that aspect of her own fear did have something to tell her. And don't feel like, oh, I missed an opportunity. Because if if you have a message coming from your shadow side and you don't hear it, Trust me, it'll come back and you'll have another opportunity to listen to that fear side of yourself.
1: That was beautifully, beautifully explained. Incredible. Uh, and I agree with you 100%. And you know, her question of maybe next time I should not try to resist so hard and see if this creature that scares me has anything to offer me. And kind of going to take a left turn with this a little bit. All these different realms that we're able to go through go to you know we can go to the angelic realm we can go to see the ancestors we can go to see the it's all this this there's a fluidity it's much easier to go to those different places it's almost like we've opened the window to let all these other energies in right now so my personal opinion is it might appear scary but just be something that you're not familiar with yet and it's not there the fact that it wasn't trying to harm her it was just trying to get her attention and and I agree with you 100% that she used prayer. She used her own strength. She used her own belief in, in spirit and light to reverse that and feel okay. It, it, it's a very interesting question.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, it's really, really deep because that's what happens throughout our life. We weave in and out of our authentic path. And it's only when we can face and confront our true essential fears that we can stay on that path.
1: Right. Very, very well said. Um, Our next one, I'm a mom of three. My youngest child is such a lover and also incredibly emotional and reactive. He's been this way since birth. And while it's brought our family a ton of smiles and laughter, it's very clear that we're all quite often walking on eggshells in preparation for another outburst. He and I are very connected. He often reads my mind, literally. We've also shared a past life where he was my son and he and my other children perished in a flood. We're so connected so we really feed off each other. He's only 5 so he's still learning so much, including dealing with his big feelings in a healthy way and he often struggles. I am an empath and I find myself I'm still learning how to keep my feelings separate from others and generally I really have a great handle on this. However, it's so hard when the person's feelings of those are someone I'm so close to and have to be because he's my child. Do you have any advice both for me and for my little guy with big feelings who I'm sure is an empath himself? Things have evolved a lot. And since he's gotten older and becomes more able to express himself, but oh boy, we have our struggle days and I just want to be sure I'm helping rather than only having my feelings about it all potentially making it worse. Thanks in advance for any insight you two can share. It's funny, I have what flashed in my mind is one of my sons is, is, has a similar temperament than I do. And when he was younger, we would flare hot and fast, it would be done. And then either one of us would say, are you done? Yep, I'm done. And then it was, that was it. There was never any unrest or it was just clear, very easy, very direct. But I think one of what popped in my mind is years and years ago when I was teaching in a behavioral classroom with, with small children, was I would tell them that they had a knob and they could turn like they could turn you could you could do this with your son. You could walk over and like go to his back and say, Oh, I'm just gonna turn that down a little bit and like pretend you're turning a knob down on their back. That can work for if someone's too loud or their volume or they're too, and you can just say, all right, you and then you can say, you know, you can always turn your knob down, you can always turn your volume down. So I think my point being, giving your son skills to learn to uh, connect more with his behaviors and, and his self-management of those behaviors are a gift beyond measure as he continues life as an empath. Because I do think he's very empathic. I think she's spot on.
0: I think that's a great tip. And don't you find that kids like this do really well with a very consistent routine? Mm-hmm. So that they know, like, we wake up every day, we do this, and then we go to bed at the same time every night, or every Tuesdays I have karate, or every Thursday we go to the library, or whatever it might be. I feel like these types of adventurous and and empathic and feeling emotional kids, I feel like they feel so much safer when there's a
1: consistent schedule to their life. Yeah, and and pre-teaching the transitions where we're going to leave in 10 minutes. So you need to have 10 more and then we're going to get your coat. So like kind of getting them ready for what's coming up. And she didn't mention if there's any issues like in a school setting or public setting, but it can be the family dynamics as well. And and because it's true. I think that so many times when our children may implode or, or melt down or just be challenging at home, but then they're doing fine out in public, please remember that you're giving them a safe place to let all of that out. So sometimes that's an important part of this as well, especially for a little empathic person is they need a vent, they need a steam valve to kind of release all that stuff a little bit sometimes.
0: Yes, and sometimes giving them the illusion of control. So instead of saying, like, put on your shoes, we got to go in 10 minutes, say, okay, we've got to get ready to leave in 10 minutes. Do you want to wear your sneakers or your boots? Mm -hmm. Or instead of saying, it's bedtime, get ready for bed, say, do you want to read a story before you put on your pajamas or after? Mm -hmm. Sometimes those little things, it helps a child feel like, okay, I'm not totally controlled (laughs) by these Mm -hmm. parents. Right. All right. Our next one says, hello, I am an avid listener of Psychic Teachers. And just when I thought nobody could possibly resonate more deeply with me, Denise was introduced to me through this show. Thank you so much for all the knowledge, light, and inspiration you all share with the world. I just listened to your most recent episode about starseed children. And as an indigo myself and a mother to the most beautiful nonverbal crystal child, I loved every minute of it. I hadn't heard of the indigo in transition before, and this is definitely something I need to ponder, so thank you. I have a comment for Samantha. You're the one who taught me about how children chose either one or both of their parents, and that the soul doesn't spend much time in the womb during the first trimesters, that it just kind of pops in and out. I hadn't heard this before I listened to you talk about it on Psychic Teachers, but after that, I was able to see so clearly how that was true in my own life. When you spoke about your youngest daughter asking why you don't have any memories of your past lives together, I was stunned when you said you didn't know. I even started finishing that sentence for you in my own head when I was listening because I've heard you tell it several times before. Maybe I don't have the full picture or maybe you never thought about it until she asked. But all I could think about is, of course you don't because she chose her dad. She chose him and spent that time popping out to dance with him while he was in a coma. It almost seems like you planned for three pregnancies and had three souls waiting to come through, and he had one. Your older daughters were contracted to come together, but you split them up, so that checked off two pregnancies. Then maybe you felt you were always meant to have a boy because it was supposed to be his turn, but then your daughter is the one who came instead because your family really needed her. I feel that they... I feel like she saw her dad in trouble and just knocked that poor little boy straight down to a grandchild role so that she could be part of the healing and journey you all needed. Just my theory and hope it's okay, dad, that I shared it with you. Okay, Denise, I just love this because first of all, this is a loyal listener. And for any new listeners, they're probably thinking, what the heck is she talking about? So I have three daughters. I've had several dreams and experiences that have showed me past lives that my older two daughters and I had together. My youngest daughter, I haven't had any of that, and it kind of bothers me. However, I became pregnant with her when my former husband was in a coma, and he has memories from that coma of dancing with a little curly-haired top girl. And so I believe that she did come, just as this listener said, to really save him and take care of him. And I think that's very, very true because when he came home from the hospital, he couldn't go back to work. So I was working all the time. I was working two or three jobs, and he really helped so much to raise her, especially when she was a little baby. So that all makes sense. And when she talks about the boy, I've had so many dreams of this little boy coming to me since I was 20 years old. And my middle daughter finally told me a couple of years ago that she had a dream that he was going to come to her and she was going to name him Sam. So that's what all of that is about. But she's right because what I've been told so many times in readings from souls coming to their parents is that their energy has to match with their parents, at least one of their parents, hopefully both, and that they usually will have a past life connection with one or both of those parents, but usually it's just one. So that makes a ton of sense. And it's given me a lot to ponder. And I really appreciate you listening to both shows, taking time to, to read, to write this so I could read it because it, it made me have one of those, you know, those Simpson, like slap in your forehead dull moments of
1: why didn't I see that? <laughs> <laughs> so true. I love it. Thank you. Oh, no, this is a beautiful note. And I'm glad that We resonate with each other. I really am. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. That's why we love doing this show is because we know there's somebody out there that is going to say, oh, holy shit, these are my people. And that's what we're hoping to do because we all need to help each other out to get through this mess we're all in. That's right. We're all just walking each other home, as Ram Dass said. Oh, I love that expression. I do too. Um, So, We have uh, one more and it starts out first. Thank you both so much for your show and the work you do. I share this podcast with everyone who will listen and several of my friends and family have used your services. You're really adding such positivity to the world. And I'm so grateful to have found you both. We're glad you found us too. This year, I lost my grandmother due to an ugly stroke. She was my person and her loss has been so hard in every meaning of the word. We shared the same beliefs about spirituality and the afterlife, and I know that although I can no longer see her, she's always with me. I literally talked to her every day during my commute or during any moment that reminds me of her. When she passed, I began finding a single penny here and there, especially on times when I was upset with life and sadness. This became more prominent after your podcast explaining that spirits can easily manipulate metals using Usually people find dimes. When I heard this, I immediately thought my grandmother would probably not use a dime and would rather show me pennies because she always indicated she was more broke than she ever was. I wouldn't say she was tight, but she was very aware of where her money went. Anyway, fast forward to a period of time I was driving and getting so sad and worked up, missing her and thinking about what I would say at her services since I planned on giving the eulogy. The words were just circling in my head for weeks, and there was just too much to offer, and I wanted to share it all, but then I didn't because some of the memories I really want to keep as our special story. So I tried to shift my thoughts since I was getting worked up and very emotional before bed, and I said, Grandma, I'm sorry to be so sad. I know you're up there celebrating this life with everyone that's gone before you. What a homecoming you must have had. I then began to name all of her friends and family I knew were waiting on the other side, and I calmed down, peace in my heart, and went to work. Later that day, a couple of my coworkers and I went for a walk, as we often do in a downtown area. As we turned the corner on the sidewalk, there was a pile, I mean, 20 or 30 pennies just in my path. Now I need to paint the picture that this downtown area is in a bad part of town, many homeless, many reasons why money would not just be laying on the sidewalk. But here it was for me to find. All I could feel was this validation that everyone I had named earlier that morning heard me and stopped by to say hi because we were together celebrating. Joy filled my heart. I love that our loved ones are always with us and validation is icing on the cake to remind us that we're never alone, nor is the love we shared ever really gone. Thank you again for your light and love. We, we mentioned this before that we want to do a show before the end of the year on validation from spirit. So this is a beautiful, beautiful example of how our, our people and even our pets, or our they, they come to us to let us know we're okay. We're still in your life. We're still a part of things. So if you do have a story you'd like to share with others that will, will bring joy, will bring peace, will give hope please, please send us uh, an email at enlightenedempaths at gmail.com or our Facebook page, which is Enlightened Empaths.
0: We would so appreciate it because these stories, I mean, gosh, sometimes they're what keep me going. You know, When I have a tough day or when I haven't heard from my own loved ones in heaven, I will always go to my bookshelf and pull out a book about validations from spirit because it just reminds me that they're always there. And and you know, I have to say, I walk around our city all the time. I've never seen a pile of pennies. Have you? No. No. So no. I mean, if I found one penny, like sometimes I find a penny and I'm like, "Oh, that's nice. Maybe it's good luck. Maybe it's from someone. I don't know." But a pile of pennies? I mean, that's <laughs> that's clearly a sign from her grandmother and And gosh, hats off to you for giving the eulogy too. Clearly, based on the beautifully written email, she did a great job, but that's a hard thing to do. And yet, what a wonderful gift to be able to eulogize someone. So I'm just very grateful that you had this wonderful relationship with your grandmother. And I'm really happy that she's already able to give you signs like this. That's all you know, that's all on you and her. you know the the stronger the the vibration of love the 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 stronger and the more easy it is for them to give us these signs unless they're healing. Like, take, for example, my dad because I don't want anyone listening to this going, "Well, I haven't heard from my dad, and I know I loved him. If they pass over, After a very, very long illness, it can take them a long time to come through and learn how to manipulate their energy and our energy in this world to deliver a sign to us. So, like my dad, you know, he's not getting ready to go, but he's at the end of his life and he's in a nursing home with Alzheimer's and he's suffering. You know, he doesn't understand who he is or where he is or why he's here. And so when he crosses over, I'm not going to expect to wake up that night and see him at the foot of my bed, you know, saluting me, saying, I made it. I'm on the other side. Cheers. No, it's going to take him time because he's there. There are what we call nursing homes on the other side where they have to go and, and reclaim all the light that they've lost through their illness. So sometimes it can take a period before they're able to do this. But as long as that love was always strong on earth, it will remain just as strong, if not stronger, on the other side. And when we are able to get these signs, it's just such, I don't even know if validation is the right word. Confirmation? Um, I don't know. What's, what's a better word? It's, it's, well, like a, it's like a hello from God.
1: It is. It, it, it brings me a sense of peace, a true heartfelt sense of peace and connection love is love. And I know that sounds kind of hokey, but that's what it's about. It's about feeling that love again, that connection that, um, and the stories it's, it may be that you hear some of these stories and it will help you say, Oh my gosh, that was coming through from my person. Like you might not have even realized you were getting a sign yet. And hearing someone else's story or validation might also A validation for you from your person.
0: And don't be afraid to talk about this with your elderly people. Please don't be afraid to talk about this. Before my dad really lost uh, the ability of conversation, I talked to him about this all the time. And when we were getting ready to transition him into the assisted living nursing home facility, I hate all those words. Mm -hmm. I said to him, you know, dad, when it's your time to go, because he, he asks all the time, like, why, why does God still have me here? And I would say, you know, when it's your time to go, will you show me a blue bird? Mm-hmm. And he said, yes, I'll show you a blue bird. I said, okay, any blue bird, a blue jay, a blue, I, I don't care, just a blue bird. Okay. Well, we move him into the facility. They have a pet blue bird. Oh, my goodness. In, in this beautiful large cage. But you know what really pissed me off, Denise? What? I said to the nurses who are wonderful, I cannot say enough about this facility or the nurses and the CNAs. They are beyond my expectations. But I said to them, What's the bird's name? Oh, I don't know. I have asked every staff. Nobody named this oh. the bird who sings his heart out all the day long. So I named him Pedro. Is he a little tiny bird? It's a little tiny bluebird. And he I sings. he's a all budgie? Day. He might be a budgie. Oh, okay. See, they don't even know that. And I'll take a picture because you you would know that. (laughs) Because they're sweet. They have a really sweet song. Yes, it's a beautiful, cheery little song. And Mm -hmm. he's always hopping around in there. And everyone goes up and talks to him. He's got lots
1: of company. But I feel like everyone deserves a name. Yes. Yes. And for the animal people that are listening and for myself, I think they all have their own little personalities and soul lights and they're they're unique so yes, yes. that's nice you gave him a name yeah but so don't be
0: afraid if you have a, a someone who's getting ready to transition we're so afraid of death you know and we're so afraid to talk about it but right. i always i would read dad stories from visions trips and crowded rooms and um all sorts i don't even know if he comprehended any of it but i feel like his soul did mm-hmm. and i would always say to him like when you go over, your dad will be there, and your dog Slugger will greet you, and you can come back and visit us. And if you have a hard time appearing in dreams, just show us a blue bird, and we'll know there's daddy. Oh, And I, I think we all should do that, you know, talk about it, be open about it.
1: Right. And it gives you something to, to look forward to with knowing that your father knows that's what you need to see to know he's okay yes and then there's
0: not a doubt like like this lovely listener jennifer she knew her grandmother would show her pennies because that woman knew how to make the penny go she knew how to make her money work for her she knew when i saw quarters from my mother in law maggie i knew it was from her because maggie had said when i die i will show you quarters
1: mm-hmm. you know so
0: that's why i think it's so nice to already state what the sign will be like what would mm-hmm. you like 100 years from
1: now what would you show your boys I, we've had this conversation before, and I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. I think it would be something different for each boy, to be honest with you. But if, I'm really sure it would be a nature sign because we all love nature so much and animals and, and being out and about. But I'll give that some thought.
0: Yeah, I think mine would be nature or music. We all, The three of us connect, or the th- my three children and I, so the four of us. I can count some days. We all connect really well through music, so it might be through songs as well.
1: Yeah, that would work as well. My ringtones for the boys are unique, the boys, are grown men. They'll always be the boys, though, uh, which your girls will always be the girls, won't they?
0: Yes, yeah. Oh, my mom yeah. still calls me the baby. <laughs> <laughs> I was over her house and her cousin called and she said, what are you doing, Carol? And my mom said, I'm talking to the baby. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's, oh goodness.
0: Well, anyway, if you guys have your own sign from a loved one in heaven that you would love to share with us and help us cap off the end of the year with some happy, fun, uplifting, positive stories of validation, please take a moment to write them down and share them with us. Again, our email is enlightenedempaths at gmail.com or you can just pop over and join us on Facebook at Enlightened Empaths and drop us a note there. Thank you guys so much for listening and sharing your time and your stories and your questions with us. We appreciate you more than 26 little letters in the alphabet can express. We hope you have a wonderful week. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take
1: care.